Samaritan's Purse is in the process of setting up an emergency field hospital in western Ukraine. The DC-8 cargo plane airlifted the initial phase of the hospital on March 4th, along with disaster assistance response team members, including doctors, nurses, logistics, and other personnel. The field hospital will have two operating rooms with capacity for 14 major surgeries or 30 minor surgeries per day. The emergency room can handle 100 patients per day, and the facility also has a pharmacy and its own water and sanitation system. Ukrainian families are hurting and in desperate need of physical aid and prayer during this difficult time. You can be a part of helping the people of Ukraine. Donate now at SamaritansPurse.org. Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. I'm still rolling. I still got the handle. You roll down. The, I still remember when you roll down the car oh, yeah. window and all this and had that little vent. Yeah, that little vent. You, you pushed wanted the to windows. get it right. Yeah, that, all that, that was air, the air conditioning. That was your air conditioning, yeah. Being married as a Christian, well, being married to anyone, but I can only speak as a Christian. Being married is hard work. We all value our, our spouse's opinion. Yes. You know, when I get dressed and I walk out, my wife goes, uh-uh. I know I put something on wrong. I'm not sure what it is, but I know I'm going to be told. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, Bill? Not one. Come on, Bill, you got to have one, a token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, lift up today uh, and we ask you uh, blessings for this beautiful day. The weather is broken and it's nice, low humidity. We thank you for that. We thank you for the rain last night uh, to help all the plants and the flowers. We thank you for Odell and I speaking at the Rotary Club and uh, many questions we got related to to that event. And uh, your presence was felt, and we give you all the glory. Amen. Father God, just thank you for the opportunity to come together as brothers in Christ. The fact that you have called us for such a time as this where we stand before many and even more hear us over the radio in other forms and platforms. And we talk about race, God. We talk about friendship. We talk about you. We talk about family. And we talk about a lot of the tough questions that divide us, God. God, many of us in your kingdom, sometimes, not all the time, Some of us, not out of us. We fight amongst ourselves in the house of the Lord, God. God, forgive us 
for fighting in your house. God, forgive us. But Holy Spirit, help us to understand the differences. Help us to understand the common ground. So for a time such as this, God, thank you for my brother Bill. You've called us to stand with you. And standing with you is never easy. But we thank you for trusting us enough to do the bidding. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Well, how you doing, Odell? I'm doing pretty good, my friend. Hey, I heard a little birdie tell me that you had a birthday. It's like, a birthday? Well. Okay, what's that all about? Well, you know, I don't have just a birthday. <laughs> I have a birthday month. <laughs> okay. And we're just starting. <laughs> well, tell me about your birth. How many, how old is my good friend Bill? Well, in the Bible, it says uh, you can live, most people live to 70, but if you're strong, you get to live to 80. Well, I'm moving toward the 80. <laughs> okay, so, so that means you're strong, right? I'm strong. I'm going to go all the way to 90, I think. I'm, I turned 71 right. on July 14th. So, uh, well, congratulations, thank you. Bill. Congratulations. And I tell you what, um, someone asked the question the other day, and we'll talk about it a little later, but that's the question. They said, hey, how do, how do we get in touch with you? How do we... You know, we like Common Ground, we love it, but sometimes we can't catch it on Saturdays. So how do we get in touch with them? And Bill, can you share with everyone how can they get in touch with us uh, if they want us to come out and speak at one of the events or anything? Can you let them know, please? Absolutely. We would love to come out and speak to to groups and uh, take questions and share what we're doing and how we started this this journey. And uh, but you can find us on our website. The website is www.thecommonground, all one word, thecommonground.show. So it's not .com, not .org, it's .show. And on there will be all our podcasts and a way, an email that you can send us a request for speaking, and uh, we're happy to come and do that. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> www.thecommonground.show. Wow. So they get to learn all about you. They see your bio. They see my bio, some of the things that we were doing. And, you know, it's just good because we had our first live event where we came out. It was the Greensboro Rotary, very prestigious organization. We had fun. Uh, the people had fun. Um, a lot of questions and answers. And it was just good. It was good. It was a very good, different experience. But, you know, it was good. So, Bill. Today, let's talk a little bit about family. Let's talk family, because at the end of the day, it all starts with family. And I believe that it all ends with family and the thing that we are family of God. So tell me about tell me about your family, Bill. Well, my my immediate family actually was everybody was with me yesterday for my birthday. My daughter came down, Jessa, from West Virginia. And uh, even though she had she had some tragedy in her life, she came down, spent a day with us. My son, Will, and his wife, Portia, uh, live in Greensboro. They came to visit. And, uh, and then, uh, Lisa Kay, my other daughter lives in Greensboro and my wife. And, uh, we had a wonderful time and, uh, we had our pictures taken as a family. We hadn't done that in years. So we tried to do that between all the rain clouds. And then we went out to dinner to our favorite Japanese restaurant. We've been going there since 1990 and, uh, Mama-san, it's, uh, it's Asahi Mama-san. Uh, we had our, uh, rehearsal dinner there and, uh, when I was single, I used to go in there with dates and Mama son would give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. <laughs> and she obviously gave me a thumbs up on Dory. So I asked her why. 
She chose Dory. She said, and Dory's much taller than me. She said, well, she can wear brown. She <laughs> I can said, wear brown. I said, okay, if that works for you, it works for me. There you go. You know, it's interesting. How long have you been married? Uh, going on 28 years. Wow. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, it's long. How about you? Uh, I've been married. <laughs> that's a good question. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> Bev's but listening. I've been married for 35 years, Bill, to the love of my life. And, you know, being married as a Christian, well, being married to anyone, but I can only speak as a Christian. Being married is hard work. Not that it's, it's a hard thing, because I love my wife and, you know, love conquers all, and we put Christ first. However, marriage is hard. You have to work at it. That's what I mean. Yep. It's, it's almost like getting and staying in shape. Yep. You know, it, it's hard work. And I think that in a lot of cases, because I, I counsel a lot of young folks on marriage, and a lot of cases, folks want to have the wedding, but they don't want to be married. Mm. And when I say be married, I mean the hard work of being married yep. every day. And then when the children comes, and that's even more work, the responsibilities, the accountabilities. And the vows say in good times and bad, in sickness and health, you know, riches and poor. And folks like, okay, yeah, them vows, eh, that's good, that's good, that's good. But but let's go on with the with the wedding or let's go on with the honeymoon and let's let's go on with all that. And it's almost like not all but some, the wedding is just a big party. Yep, it sure is. And it's a fun party, don't get me wrong. The uh you know, as you were you were talking, I'm I'm getting ready to do a wedding at the end of this month. You know, uh, I mentored high school kids and boys, and uh, I've married five of them now. And this one called up uh, Abraham and Hannah, and we're going to meet actually today this afternoon to do a little counseling. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to do it out in the country. Okay. And it's funny, some folks want this long Christian, and other ones go, "Just give me one page." Uh huh. But, uh-huh. And I said, well, I'll give you one page, but it's going to be pretty intense. And uh, so, but, you know, marriage to me is like uh, cruise, uh, cruising down the road okay. in your car. We were talking about this, you know, you have cruise control yes, and you have adaptive cruise control. That means the car senses somebody and slows you up. So okay, you, don't so you got one of them fancy cars, Bill. You got one of them fancy cars. You know, I do. I'm still rolling. I still got the handle. You roll down. The, I still remember when you roll down the car. Oh yeah, window and all this, and had that little vent. Yeah, that little vent. You, you pushed wanted the to windows. get it right. Yeah, get all that, that was the air conditioning. That was your air conditioning. Yeah, exactly. until a bug hit it, and then, you're, <laughs> then you then you looked like a bug bug spray. Yeah. But uh, what uh, marriage to me is, you can't put it on cruise control. Mm. Okay, you just can't sit back and let it kind of cruise down the road. You got to steer it. Yeah. You got to use the brake. You got to be alert. You got to pay attention. And uh, because the devil's all over marriages, particularly ones that are working. But, but Bill, remember something called power steering. Mm-hmm. And how you had to work it and power steering and all this kind of good stuff. And it was a time when seat belts were required. Marriage is like anything else. It evolves. Um, marriage, being married in 21st century is probably somewhat different from being married in 20th century. Um, in today's time with children and everything else that's going on in society, I would think that marriage could either be harder or easier. Um, it's a day where you have, in my case, my wife uh, works outside the home and I work outside the home because I wouldn't dare say that a, anyone who 
stays at home is not working because running a household is work. We Amen. all know that. That's we hard all work. know that. And that's not a male or female's responsibility. That's everyone's responsibility. Yep. And it's just it's just tough. It's tough, but it's so good because God made marriage. He sure did. And you know, it, it takes work. Uh and uh but the fruits of the labor are really sweet. Ah. They're really sweet. Uh you know, you get you get a good spouse and uh yeah, everybody runs through troubled times. There's no doubt about that. But it's how you get through it that counts. You know, it's interesting. I I love my wife in the fact that she could be my biggest cheerleader, but also my number one critic. You know, and critic not in a negative sense, but critic in a sense of, I don't know if you should do that or not. Or when I come up with a great idea, it's almost like she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. You know, and remember it was a term once used called henpecked? Yep. It was a henpecked or henpecked? What one was it? Henpecked. Okay, what does that mean, Bill? Well, it means uh, they're, they're always picking on you. You know, you've seen hens and the chicken. It's pick, okay. pick, 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 pick. Yes. Pick, constantly picking on you. And, uh, you know, it's funny we all value our, our spouse's opinion. Yes. You know, and when I get dressed and I walk out, my wife goes, uh-uh, <laughs> I know I put something on wrong. I'm not sure what it is, but I know I'm going to be told. You know, as men of God, uh, a lot of time as a man, we think that traditional roles of this is what the man does, this is what the woman does, this is what the children do. We are the head of the household. We are the boss. We are this, 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 this. Bill, let's talk about our fragile male egos when it comes to marriage and when it comes to family. What do you think, as Christian men, that we could work on? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I've, as I mentioned earlier in shows, I've been to about 42 countries, and I got to see males in relationships to their kids, their work, uh, and their spouses. Mm -hmm. And some cultures, it's all about the guy. Wow. It's all about the man. I mean, everybody kowtows to him. He's he's the big kahuna. He's he's the guy that everybody's worried about keeping pleased. Um, and it's in the culture. Um, and as society changes, some of that changes. It's kind of like Fiddler on the Roof mm -hmm. story, you know, tradition. And uh, we we, in my viewpoint, is I'm a partner. I'm not, I may be a leader. I may have the final say so, but I'm a partner. Uh, I've had people say, well, who wears the pants in your house? <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time, but I, I can't wait to hear that answer. <clears throat> who wears the pants in the house, Bill? Go ahead. Well, I have more pair of pants than she does, so <laughs> I do. And and there's a, uh, it's, you know, I, I always tell people in our marriage, I always get the last word, uh -huh. and that's yes, dear. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But uh, no, it, in seriousness, the uh, family knows that I'm the head of the family, and we may have a heated debate, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, can come from politics. It can come from anything. Yes, uh, where we're going on vacation, you know, and uh, you know, he, people even how to raise kids. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole different thing. So you have to learn in in life, particularly with marriage, because you're so close to it all the time. How to compromise. And you need to focus on the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. So when you say compromise, see, sometimes just the word compromise makes people feel kind of funny. Can you drill down a little deeper? Because men, men, 
we need to hear each other say that we're not perfect. We make mistakes, that we have to have a big reverse gear, that when we say things wrong or do things wrong or make a decision that we thought would work out a certain way, but it didn't work out a certain way, to put our pride aside as a Christian man and put it in reverse and go back and say, honey, you know what? Uh, That didn't work out the way I thought it would work out. What is it about the compromise? What is it about our egos? Let me give you an example. Yes. Uh, And I don't mean compromise your principles and things like that. Uh, I had a good friend, you know him, and uh, we went out rabbit hunting. Okay. And he got one rabbit. First time he got a rabbit in years. Okay. So he skinned it and he was going to eat it at some point. So where do you think he put it? I hope he didn't put it in the refrigerator. I know he knows better not to put it he in. He put it in the freezer. Oh, okay. He okay. froze it in a clear plastic container uh-huh. and put it in the freezer. And his wife goes, what is that? And he says, she says, it looks like a rat. And he says, that's the rabbit I caught. I'm going to cook it. Well, every time she opened up to get her ice cream, that rabbit was looking at her. <laughs> so instead of butter pecan, it was butter rabbit. Huh? Yeah, and and, okay. she, and it, it was getting to her. And it had been in there months. And uh, and so, but he was bound and determined he wasn't going to compromise on that rabbit. He okay. was going to eat that rabbit. Well, we had a power <laughs> failure. And everything in that freezer got spoiled, including that rabbit. Mm-hmm. And his wife did a happy dance. Okay. <laughs> Say, out with that rabbit, huh? Yeah. So my point of, of that example is, is the rabbit really that important to you? Wow. That you're going to keep it in the freezer? Wow. Okay. Is it that important? If it's really bugging your wife, uh, and you know, you send, you come to my house, I said, go get the ice cubes, and you open up my freezer, and there's a rabbit looking at you. Wow. My, my mother-in-law, uh, this is a whole side story, but my mother-in-law uh, had a cat. Serrazzo, and uh, it died. And so I, when I would go up to visit him, I said, "Hey, mom, you know they're not very handy. I'm a handyman." I said, "Hey, what? Well, let me know what you want done. I'll bring the tools because they had no tools or ladders." She says, "Yeah, she's uh, Serrazzo died." And I said, "Oh man, I'm sorry." She says, uh, "When you come up, would you bury him for us?" I said, "Oh yeah, but I'm not coming up for three weeks." <laughs> she says, "That's okay. He's in no, the no, he's in the no. freezer." <laughs> Serrazzo is the cat is in the freezer. Yeah. In the other scenario, the rabbit is in the freezer. Yeah. And we want the wife to be happy with all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> and the point <laughs> of that story is, is the rabbit worth it? Yeah. Or what I would say, and many would say, is the juice worth the squeeze? Oh, Meaning I like that. that you know, you want to get some orange juice, you want to do all this, but it takes a lot of oranges to make a cup of orange juice. There's anyone who's ever did it homemade. But, you know, one of the things that I had to struggle with at first, and I think a lot of men, well, some men struggle with, is when you get married, your career is going well. Your wife, she has a professional career also, and her career is going well. Well, you look up one day, and your wife's career is surpassing yours. Now, we're still one. We're family. However, we're still human. And my wife presently now is the vice president of, as you know, one of the healthcare uh, institutions in Greensboro, probably make triple the amount of money I make and everything else. I think sometimes men, our ego is predicated on how much money we make, what our status and our title is. And if God gave us a helpmate and our helpmate makes 
three times the amount of money that we make. Why do we get all crazy with that as men? What's wrong with us, Bill? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us as Christian men? Because the money's coming into the household. She's not saying, I make more money than you, so I have more decision-making than you. None of that. It's just in our heads. Because if we compete against our wives, then we're competing against ourselves. You got that right. You got that right. You know, the uh, I would love to have my wife make me money. <laughs> <laughs> That would be nice to you have. Know what? You know what, Bill? I'd like any of my kids to make more money than me. How old are you again, Bill? 71. I'm going to be working for a long time. Wow. You know, but, but, but you think about it that just think about how many marriages are struggling because the wife's career is going better than the husband's career and the husband we as men are living in a paradigm that we are the breadwinners. Yep. We bring home the bacon. Yep. We do this and we do that. Sometimes we're getting in our own way. Yep. You know, it, 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 we have a niece that, uh, and her, both her, her and her husband were making oodles of money before uh, COVID. <clears throat> and during COVID, his business went to zero, no income. Mm-hmm. And she kept her job. Mm-hmm. And she was making good money, and her career is now going up, and his career is kind of stalled. Right. And uh, but they're handling it well. He stepped into the role of being home with the kids and helping out. Uh, he it's it's interesting to watch because you know how we would come home and our wives were with the kids all day. How frazzled she was, and she'd go here. They're yours now. Give me a break. What does frazzle mean, Bill? <laughs> but, but, but help me out. I'm from South Carolina. You know, I'm a South Carolina Geechee. I know Geechee and Gullah. But what was that word you used again? Frazzled. Okay, uh, frazzled. Okay, frazzled. That means uh, you. I. I. Let me give you a visual. Okay. You stick your finger in an electric socket, and your hair goes <laughs> Okay. Up. That's All frazzled. Right. All right. Well, I used to have an afro. I don't have an afro anymore. Bill is bald now, so I would understand what that means. But go ahead, sir. <laughs> so the, he stepped into that role, and uh, and I and I give him credit. I mean, it's it's a, a lot of men wouldn't do that. Uh, they would go golfing. They would do things, but they. He's stepped in, and he's got two young boys that are very active, and uh, I'm very proud of him that he's done that. You know, that reminded me of uh, something I experienced as a very, very young husband. Um, I was working on a job, and they came in. I was a corporate salesperson for transportation industry, and they came in and said, well, we're going to close down this branch. And we had just purchased a new car. It was a Mazda 929S. I remember that. I mean, just <laughs> nice, a nice vehicle. And I lost my job. They wanted me to move to Atlanta. And I said, no, we're going to stay in Greensboro. I lost my job. And I was unemployed. I mean, you know, who? it's just even now. And this is uh, this was so many years ago, probably about 30 years ago. And I'm still... The whole idea of being unemployed, it's almost like a scarlet letter. It's like I'm ashamed that I was unemployed. And I remember being home and my wife came home one day from work. She was working. And she said, it was simple, Bill. It was so simple what she said. But I just, oh, my God, it just really tore me up. She said, what did you do all day? Let me me just say Mm. that again. She asked a very simple, innocent question. She came in the door and said, what did you do all day? And in my head, I didn't speak it, in my head, I'm like, 
What do you mean what did I do all day? I'm sitting here <laughs> waiting on the phone, waiting for somebody to call me about a job. I'm sitting here worrying about my status as it relates to the fact that in those days, my self-esteem was wrapped up, that I was a manager and a sales rep, and I had a company car and company credit cards, and I'm with the G, going with the GGO, and I'm doing contracts in and out. In those days, the Guilford Mills of the world and the mills, I was I was, I was, was spending a lot of time shipping a lot of jobs to Mexico. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So, And it's like, what do you mean? But all she asked was a simple question. Mm. What cut, cut could you deep. do all day? And yeah. my fragile male ego as a man, because I was unemployed, Bill, I took it as an attack on my manhood. Mm. Mm. We need yeah. Jesus. Yeah. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because those that God sent to help us, we think they're trying to hurt us. Yep. Amen. You know, I, I was unemployed for a while, and I remember I had always worked, and I would see the kids off to school and I'd be in my robe and I'd see all the dads driving to work and that really freaked me out. But then I had a pity party for a couple of days and then I said, you know, I got to get it. I got to get working. And I started my own company. Wow. And I went up in this area that I developed for myself to work in the house, a little office on the third floor. And I, what I call dialing for dollars. Mm. I started working the phones, calling people, networking, and after a few months, uh, I actually landed something that was really good for me. And I was making almost twice the money I was making before. But Bill, what do we do with our shame? What do we do with our pity? That was the hard part. Well, yeah, because we hide it. We hide it. Yep. We conceal it. Yep. Because, hey, you Bill. You, you Bill, a happy man. You build a successful guy. You're in church. And you're the example. I mean, you're the leader. You're leading young men. You're the example. You're the pastor, you're the deacon, you're the this, you're the that. And now what happens when as Christians do we leave our wounded on the battlefield? Mm -mm. No, no men left behind. We take them with us. But why, we, we need to share that message, Bill, because in the church, I see a lot of men don't do as well when things don't go well. Mm. Versus I see a lot of women lean in and embrace. And I'm not doing a general stereotype. I'm just telling you what I see. Because like me, I grew up without a father. So in a lot of cases, there's a lot of people who grow up without fathers. So by growing up without a father, or if you're in a situation, because people have shared with me, Odell, just because your father wasn't there. My father was there, but my father was abusive and, and this, this, this. So a lot of stuff can happen. So I'm not saying a father in the home is this or that. But what I am saying is that how does one learn? Because we, we say this, and I'll get ready to wrap up. We always say you learn from experience. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that comes out of my mouth, immediately I ask the question, how do you learn from experiences that you never had? Yep. So yep. you say, I learned from experiences. How do you learn from experiences you never had? How do I learn to be a father if it wasn't a father in my home? Amen. How do I learn to be a man if it wasn't a man there every day? How do I learn to be a husband if I saw my father abuse my mother? How do I learn to be a godly man? Yeah, there's no roadmap. There's no manual except the Bible. Yeah. And you got to find a godly person to come alongside you, someone that can mentor you and that you can have frank conversations with. 
I, I thank God and I thank God for my grandfather. Yeah. But also let me say this as we wrap up. Sometimes a single mom like I had can do a better job. Amen. To teaching a boy how to be a man. Yes. Amen. Bill, if the, if the folks want to get in touch with us uh, again, can you share with them how can they get in touch with us if they want us to come out there and talk with them or meet with their group like we did the Rotary Club and all this? How, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, they need to go to our website. It's www.thecommonground.show. And if they, want to, if they want to come out and do an event or anything like that, are you willing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we love sharing this. We had fun yesterday, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. So again, www.thethe commonground.show we look forward to hearing from you and we love to get your feedback on what's going right what's what we're doing wrong what you make some suggestions for us what topic you think we should cover and again thank you so much for joining and listening bill you got the last word my friend well we've got some guests coming in a couple shows we're going to have supreme court justice paul newby give his testimony and congressman mark walker uh as well so we'll have them as guests in the future Amen. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. This podcast is proudly sponsored by... Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PNL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events, Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.